0: Hey guys, it's C today I'm gonna to be reading chapter eight of a land remembered. Ten miles down the river, Tobias left the woods and turned east. Here he entered a prairie dotted promote and broken occasionally by cypress stands and Palms of catapults. There was an early morning haze over land, adding to the majesty of its vastness. Flights of egrets and herons glided gracefully over the brown grass and then landed into the cyclists. Turning into the trees into solid masses of white and gray, mile after mile the wagon creaked forward, and it seemed that Tobias, the prairie was empty. Here, there were no circular border of thick forests like on Alabama, Alaska, or, they, or Savannah. But like the Savannah, he could see herds of deer moving across the land and also wild cattle. Once he came within a 100 yards of a small herd, and when he stopped to look, the cows jerked their heads up quickly, standing alert as he stared for him for a minute. They wheeled and bounded away. For half a mile, they thundered over the graves, and then stopped and knew it and continued to graze. At noon, he stopped at a cy- cypress spring and ate a fried can Emma had prepared. Washing it down with water from his canteen. Then had come with the horse. To stretch his legs, he walked over to the stand. The little island upon Cypress was so thick he found it difficult to enter. As he made his way toward the center, he thought that this was one stand alone, there were enough. Cypress pulled to the entire prairie. He was startled when he heard the sound just ahead of him, a combination of grunting growl. He stopped cautiously around a tree and came face to face with a wild voice. Man and animal looked at each other for a minute, both equally surprised by the other's sudden presence. Then Tobias slowly backed away, leaving the boy's sole claim to its prairie point. He hoped that it would stay there and not come his way. And it was late afternoon when Tobias reached a prison Cypress Shack was on the west side of an inlet to the north of Fort Pierce. He hitched the horse and stood for seven minutes grazing out across the water, thinking that Sunday he would bring Emma and Zech here to walk to the beach and gather shells. We just sit on the sand and watch the girls and Pelicans play. The profiteer at the trading post, Elias Thompson, was a short, fat man in his fifties, with a bald head and tomato red face. When to my center, said, Howdy, I seen you coming a good while ago. That wagon's a load for one horse to pull. When you need is a buckboard, it ain't as heavy and it rides better on the prick. Oxen is what you ought to have to pull a farm wagon. I had oxen once, but all I got now is the horse. It'll have to do. What can I do for you, Thompson then asked him? I've got sco- coon skins to a lot of them. You got any more cash money? I mean silver or gold coins, not Confederate paper. But stuff ain't worth shops with some folks, don't try to pass it off to me. I got a little, and it's coins. But them coon skins ain't worth much, and besides that, I hardly get no supplies at all. This is a scarce everywhere now. A fellow came through here the other day and told me it's so bad up in Georgia and Alabama that folks is eating pine cones and sassafras roots. Folks is in real bad shape on account of the war done tour ever since. Only goods I can get comes on a schooner out of Baltimore, and it sure ain't much. What is it you got in mind? Mainly I want a Dutch oven and a little wheat flour if you got it, and I could use some salt. I got no flour at all, and I ain't seen a Dutch oven in five years. It all went into cannonballs, but I got some salt. I wouldn't give my cash money for salt to buy, I said. Will you take the skins and trade? Yeah, I'll take them. Next time a schooner comes, I'll send them north. Books up there still has the money to buy stuff like that. The Schooner captain told me told what they told what they really want now is polo cats hides. Bring as much as two dollars each. Now ain't that something pole Cat hides. I reckon that woman up there fancy a coat with white stripes. Next time you come in, bring me some if you can figure out a way to relieve a skunk of his hide without getting the worst of it. I'll think on it, Tobias sir. I don't relish the idea of trapping skunks. I got spread once and I stay had stay out in the barn for a week. Where you live, Thompson asked. On the east side on the east side of the casino. A four days travel here. I hear tell them little steamers is going to start running across the river again, down to Lake Okeechobee. I bet you could I bet you could sell them boatmen some alligator hides. Gator hides bring a buck fifty to three dollars an hour, depending on the size. And they tell me that's as good as beef could probably sell fresh meat too. Nowadays, it's easy to sell anything a man can eat if you can find somebody with cash. I've never seen a boat on the river since I've lived here. But if they come again, I'll know. My place is right off the bank. To buy, went outside. Brought in the skins and put them on the counter. Thompson ex- examined them briefly. From them some real good hides. Already you have ten pounds of salt and trick. Done, but i said it. disappointed about the other things, but glad to have at least salt out of the trick. When Thompson came back with salt, he said, You got a gun? I've got a rifle and pistol, both on the military. You want some shells? That's the only thing they got plenty of up uh, here, north. Leftover ammunition. I bought three whole cases off the schooner. I can know you have a couple boxes for a dollar cash. Are they forty fours? That's right, I'll take them, Tobias said, surprised by the offer. But I want four boxes. Here's two dollars each. Tobias put the shells and salt into Kwasa. Next time the supply boats came, asked about a Dutch oven. I want one real bad, and I'll pay cash if I have to. I'll do that. Thompson followed Tobias, kill a wagon. You're gonna travel out there at night? Nope, I'll go away before I get started to make him. Then I'll move up on Sutton. You best be real careful, Thompson, one serious in voice. Since the war, there's been a lot of characters in these parts. There's a lot of men scattering around now, looking for something to eat. Maybe with somebody to kill, too. One day last month, about 15 came by here in one creek riding horses. They was the meanest-looking bunch I have ever seen. Looked as though they'd make kill a man look at him, a look at him. They plumb scared me to death, and my boots shook till they were finally rode up. You best watch out for yourself. A man ought not to be out there, carry I'll keep a sharp eye to I said, and I rightfully thank you for the warning. As the wagon creaked away, Thompson shouted, What you need is a buck, boy. You decide to trade off the wagon. Let me know. I'll see if I can find one. By his way, back to it. The last rays of sundown were vanishing rapidly when Tobias stepped out of a small hammock and unhitched the horse. Then he gathered palm fronds, placed them on the wagon floor, and covered them with a the blanket. Because of snakes, he would sleep in the wagon rather than on the ground. He started a fire and then sat by eating a small scrap of corncuni. Shadows from the fire flickered through a tree limbs and vanished upwards like the dances performing a musical r- ritual. From somewhere across the prairie came up a lonesome cry of a whippoorwill. Tobias had heard no sound of footsteps. When he glanced to the far rushes of the firelight, he saw two men and a woman standing by it, looking at him. He jumped backward quickly and grabbed the rifle, remembering Tom's warning. One of the men said, We did not mean to frighten you. We saw your fire and came to it. We mean no harm. As they came closer, to Tobias recognized them as Indians. He stared at both of them intently, trying to bring forth something long since forgotten. There was a familiarity about them, something in their faces that tugged at his memory. Then it came to him. He said, "I know you. I don't remember your the name, but you came from, you came to my place on the scrub when the men were chasing you for a cat. We remember you well, one of us. You were Tobias MacIverie. We have never forgotten what you did, Swiss, and all of our people know of this. But we never expected to find you here. Do you not still live where you did? No. Some men burned down the place while I was away, and we left after that." We live now in a hammock on the east side of the Kisim, about a day's journey from here. I know the place to speak of. My people once had a village not far from here. I know it well. I found your place and took seed from the garden, Tobias, said putting down the rifle. I'm sorry, but I have no food to offer you now. We have food. We have prepared here and share it. You are welcome, Tobias said, and you can stay the night if you wish. It would be better for all of us together. It's been told there are many strangers wandering around the countryside. One of the men went into the darkness and retrieved to pulling in a sled made by two poles covered with deer hide. Several bundles were on the sled. I do not blame you for not remembering my name. That was a long time ago, and it was also a very bad day when we met. I am Keith, Keith Tiger, and this is Buried Jumper, and she is my wife, Lily. I won't forget again, Tobias promised. The man sat with Tobias by the fire as the woman took a pot from the sled and filled it with deer hide pouch. Then she poured water into the pot and set it up on the fire. It's softy, Peace you said, noticing Tobias' curiosity as he watched Lily. We make it by soaking crushed corn and wood ash, why? and we boil it with water. This is a favorite of our people. When it is done, you will be with us. Tobias appreciated the offer since a small portion of the room left him still hungry. He said, when you left the scrub, you said that you were going to a land far in the south to join people there. Where are you, where are you now? We are on our way to Fort Caravan for bullets. The man who owns the trading post at Fort Dallas will not sell guns or bullets to an Indian. We have heard that the man here will. We need them badly to kill game, and we are on the way to trade for him. I had coonskins, Tobias said, and all I could get for them was salt, but everything else he wanted cash. What do you have to trade? Flour. Tobias questioned, his interest aroused immediately. This it got flour? Yes, his tiger responded, amused by Tobias' reaction. Coon flour. It's as good as the white man's flour. We like it better. It is made from the root of a sago palm, and it is straight for the taking. I've never heard of it, but I reckon i have eaten a top, ton of cocktail flour. This is better. We will tell you how to gather it and how to prepare for it. In hard times, Plenty were now you shoe and keep you alive. It saves my people from hunger hunger many times during the wars. I'll be right pleased to know all about it, I said. And the man at the trading post did say he could sell a man can eat. You ought to make a trade. His Tiger motioned toward the sled. Then the woman went to it and removed one of the bundles. She handed it to Tobias. The bu- tiger said, Take some of the coon tea with you. We have enough to share. Tell your woman to, to use it the same as a white man's flower. I really appreciate this, Tobias said, accepting the bundle. I'll have my wife make biscuits as soon as I get back home. And i have something to share, too. Just in case things go wrong the to post. he removed two boxes of shells. shell, so there's a saddlebag handed on the tiger. I've got more and I don't need to share as much games as you do need a whole village. The Indian's eyes flashed pleasure and gratitude. This is truly a great gift to my people. We will use them wisely, and we do thank you. I'm just glad I had him to share. Tiger then said, I see you have a horse now. I remember you did not have one in the scrub. I took him off a dead soldier during the war. He's fair at pulling the wagon, but he ain't no good at all in the woods and swamps. He's too big and runs in a straight line. Every time I chase a cow with him, I've almost got my neck broke. You remember I told you once before that what you need is a marsh tacky. Marsh tacky can take you through the swamp in the thickest of woods as swiftly as a deer. It is the best cow horse there is. Well I ain't had no luck with that fellow. So far I've only got one cow. Where do you keep your cow? In a pen close to the house and the hammock? That is not good. You cannot do all of the, you could not do all of that with the herd. Even a small one. In the summer you must let them wander to the range. Really grazing whenever they find grass. You must follow the herd and not keep them penned. When my people had cattle, they would let them range as far as 100 miles and more in the summer. In the winter, turn them loose in the woods and swamp, and they would survive. In the spring, round them up and put your mark on the new ones. you keep the, uh, them penned up, they would die. The marsh grass in the flood areas along the river has salt. and Without this, your cattle would come sick. The best grass, salt grass is along the St. John's. I mean, if I want to own my kennel, I'll have to leave the house and follow them wherever they go? <laughs> this is true. There were times when my people had herds stretched as far as you had to see, and we followed them everywhere. Those who wandered with the herds were called Ishmael- Ishmaelites by the white soldiers. I do not know what the word means, but I think it is something bad. They did not say this of those who stayed in the village and farms, only those who wandered the land. But if you do not wish to follow the herd, they're best to stay home and grow pumpkins. Ishmaelites, Dwight said his wedding word. Maybe I will do what he said. I wouldn't like to be just a pumpkin grower. If you catch a cow in the swamp, put your mark on it and let it go. Then catch another mucker. You can return to them later. If you keep them in a pen all the time, they would die. By now, the pot in the fire was bubbling and the mixture had formed a thick pool. Lily removed it from the fire, then said, and then she handed a huge spoon to Keith Tiger. He passed it to Vice. and said, you must eat first. It is the custom of our people. Tobias dipped the spoon into the pot, put it to his mouth, and said, "It's good." He said, swallowing and smiling, "It's really good." I hope we have corn this fall. I'll tell Emma about this. He passed the spoon, spoon back to Keith Tiger, and after he dipped it into the pot, he passed it to Bird Jumper. They would all eat from the same spoon and pot. When Bird Jumper ate, he passed it back to Tobias. Lily would wait until the men finished before eating. Later that night, after two hours of talking, Tobias yawned and said, "I guess I'll go to turn in now." It's been a long day, and I need to hit the trail by up tomorrow. He, Tiger, said, You must start early, too. We have been traveling mostly at night. It is best that no one sees us, but I am glad we came to your fire. If we had not recognized you, we would have remained in the darkness. He then handed the saucy spoon advice. Take this as a gift to your woman. Perhaps she can make use of it. We have many more of them in the village, and if you ever have need for my people, go to far short of like Oak Children. From there, walk south. You will not see us, but we will know where you were there. Tobias took the spoon and put it into a saddle. He said, I thank you for this. It will make Emma proud. I know she will have use for it. I'm glad you stopped here for the night, and I wish you much luck with your training. We'll have more food together before we depart at the sun up, the tiger said. Tobias then climbed into the wagon and lay down on the palm a little bit, thinking for a long time of the strange voice. Alright guys, so that's the end of chapter 8. I hope, I hope I did a good job waiting for you, okay? Bye. Hey guys, it's today. I'm going to be reading chapter 8 of A Land Remembered. Ten miles down the river, Tobias left the woods and turned east. Here he entered a prairie dotted, with and broken occasionally by cypress stems and clumps of catapult. There was an early morning haze over land, adding to the majesty of its grasses. Flights of egrets and herons glided gracefully over the brown grass and then landed in the Turning in the trees into solid masses of white and gray, mile after mile the wagon creaked forward, and it seemed that device, the prairie was empty. Here there were no circular border of thick forests like on Alabama's or span but like the savannah, he could see herds of deer moving across the land, and also wild cattle. Once he came within a hundred yards of a small herd, and when he stopped to look, the cows jerked their heads up quickly, standing alert as he stared for him for a minute. They wheeled and bounded away. For half a mile, they thundered over the graves, and then stopped at New and continued to graze. At noon, he stopped at a cypress grin and ate the fried chicken Emma had prepared for him, washing it down with water from his canteen. Then he had come with the horse. To stretch his legs, he walked over to the stand. The little island upon Cypress was so thick he found it difficult to enter. As he made his way toward the center, he thought that this was one stand alone, there were enough. Cypress pulled to the fence the entire prairie. He was startled when he heard the sound just ahead of him, a combination of grunting growl. He stopped cautiously around the tree and came face to face with a wild boy. Man and animal looked at each other for a minute, both equally surprised by the other's sudden presence. Then Tobias slowly backed away, leaving the boy's sole claim to its prairie. He hoped that it would stay there and not come his way. And it was late afternoon when Tobias reached a us. Cypress Shack was on the west side of an inlet to the north of Fort. He hitched the horse and stood for seven minutes grazing up across the water, thinking that someday he would bring Emma and Zech here to walk to the beach and gather shells, or just sit on the sand and watch the golden pelicans play. The profiteer at the training post, Elias Thompson, was a short, fat man in his fifties, with a bald head and tomato red face. When Tommy's said, Howdy, I seen you coming a good while ago. That wagon's a load for one horse to pull. When you need is a buckboard, it ain't as heavy and it rides better on trip. Oxen is what you ought to have, pull the farm wagon. I had oxen once, but all I got now is the horse. It'll have to do. What can I do for you, Thompson, then am him. I've got sc- coonskins to it, a lot of them. You got any cash money? I mean, silver or gold coins, not Confederate paper. But stuff ain't worth Shops with some folks. they not try to pass it off to me. I got a little, and it's coins. But them coonskins ain't worth much. Besides that, I hardly get no supplies at all. This is a scarce everywhere now. Fellow came through here the other day and told me it's so bad up in Georgia and Alabama that folks is eating pine cones and sassafras roots. Folks is in real bad shape on account of the war done tore everything. Only goods I can get comes on schooner out of Baltimore, and it sure ain't much. What is it you got in mind? Mainly I want a Dutch oven and a little wheat flour if you got it, and I could use some salt. I got no flour at all, and I ain't seen a Dutch oven in five years. It all went into cannonballs, but I got some salt. I wouldn't give my cash money for salt, to buy, it, I said. Will you take the skins and trade? Yeah, I'll take them. Next time the schooner comes, I'll send them north. Folks up there still has the money to buy stuff like that. The schooner captain told me, told what they, told what they really want now is polo cat hides. Bring as much as $2 each. Now ain't that some pole cat hides. I reckon that woman up there fancy a coat with white stripes. Next time you come in bring me some, you can figure out a way to relieve a skunk of his hide get getting the worst of it. I'll think on it, Tobias said, but I don't relish the idea of trapping skunks. Got spread once and I stay had to stay out in the barn for a week. Where you live, Thompson asked. On the east side on the east side of the casino, A four days travel on here. I hear tell them little steamers is going to start running across the river again, down to Lake Okeechobee. I bet you could I bet you could sell them boatmen some alligator huts. The hides bring a buck fifty to three dollars now, depending on the size. And the tail meat is as good as beef. You Could probably sell fresh deer meat too. Nowadays it's easy to sell anything a man can eat if you can find somebody with cash. I've never seen a boat on the river since I lived here, but if they come again, I'll know. My place is right off the bank. Tobias went outside, brought in the skins and put them on the counter. Thompson examined them briefly. Bring them, some real good hides. Already have ten pounds of salt and trick. Done, Tobias said, disappointed about the other things, but glad to have at least salt out of the trip. When Thompson came back with salt, he said, You got a gun? i got a rifle, one pistol, both on the military. You want some shells? That's the only thing they got plenty of up north. Leftover ammunition. I bought three whole cases off the schooner. I can know you have a couple boxes for a dollar cash. Are they 44s? That's right. I'll take them, Tobias said, surprised right, by the offer, but I want four boxes. Here's $2 each. Tobias put the shells. I into closet. Next time the supply boats came, ask about the Dutch oven. I want them real bad, and I'll pay cash if I have to. I'll do that. Thompson followed Tobias, kill a wagon. You're gonna travel out there at night? Nope, I'll go away before I get started to make him. Then I'll move up on Sutton. You best be real careful, Thompson, more serious in voice. Since the war there's been a lot of drifters in these parts. There's a lot of men scoo around now, looking for something to eat. Maybe with somebody to kill too. One day last month, about 15 came by here in one creek riding for horses. They was the meanest looking bunch I had ever seen. Looked as though they'd make kill a man and look, look at them. They plumb scared me to death, and my boots shook till they were finally rolled up. You best watch out for yourself. A man ought not to be at their peril. keep a sharp eye to us, I said, and I rightfully thank you for the warning. As the wagon creaked away, Thompson shouted, What you need is a buck, boy. You decide to trade off the wagon, let me know. I'll see if I can find one. Tobias waved back to The last rays of sundown were vanishing rapidly when Tobias stepped at a small hammock and unhitched the horse. Then he gathered palm fronds, placed them on the wagon floor, and covered them with a blanket. Because of snakes, he would sleep in the wagon rather than on the ground. He started a fire, fire and then sat by eating a small scrap of cordon meat. Shadows from the fire flickered. Through tree limbs and vanished upward, like the dancers performing a musical r- ritual. From somewhere across the prairie came up a lonesome cry of a whippoorwill. Tobias had heard no sound of footsteps. When he glanced to the far rushes of the firelight, he saw two men and a woman standing by it, looking at him. He jumped backward quickly and grabbed the rifle, remembering Tom's friend's warning. One of the men said, We did not mean to frighten you. We saw your fire and came to it. We mean no harm. As they came closer, to Tobias to recognized them as Indians. He stared at them intensely, trying to bring forth something long since forgotten. There was a familiarity about them, something in their faces that tugged at his memory. Then it came to him. He said, "I know you. I don't remember your names, but you came from, you came to my place on the scrub when the men were chasing you for a cat. We remember you well, one of us, and you were Tobias MacIverie. We have never forgotten what you did for us, and all of our people know of this. But we never expected to find you here. Do you not still live where you did?" Now, some men burned down the place while I was away, and we left after that. We live now in a hammock on the east side of the Kisim, about a day's journey from here. I know the place to speak of. My people once had a village in far from me. I know it well. I found your place and took seed from the garden of Tobias, said putting down the rifle. I'm sorry, but I have no food to offer you now. We have food. We have to it here and share it. You are welcome, Tobias said, and you can stay the night if you wish. It would be better for all of us together. It's been told there are many strangers wandering around the countryside. One of the men went into the darkness and retrieved to in a sled made by two poles covered with deer hide. Several bundles were on the sled. I did not blame you for not remembering my name. That was a long time ago. And it was also a very bad day when we met. I am Keith, Keith Tiger, and this is Burr Jumper, and she is my wife, Lily. I won't forget again, Tobias promised. The man's Sat with Tobias by the fire as the woman took a pot from the sled and filled it with deer hide touch. Then she poured water into the pot and set it up on the fire. It's softy, the tiger said, noticing Tobias' curiosity as he watched Lily. We make it by soaking crushed corn and wood ash, Why? and we boil it with water. This is a favorite of our people. When it is done, you will eat with us. Tobias appreciated the offer since a small portion of the room left him still hungry. He said, when you left the scrub, you said that you were going to a land far in the south to join people there. Where are you, where are you now? We are on our way to Fort Carropin for bullets. The man who owns the trading post at Fort Dallas will not sell guns or bullets to an Indian. We have heard that the man here will. We need them badly to kill game, and we are on the way to trade for him. I had Coonskin, Spire said, and all I could get for them was stuff, but everything else he wanted cash. What do you have to trade? Flour. Tobias questioned, his interest aroused immediately. This it got flour? Yes, his tiger responded, amused by Tobias' reaction. Quinty flour. It's as good as the white man's flour. We like it better. It is made from the root of a sago palm, and it it's straight for the taking. I've never heard of it, but I reckon I've eaten a top, ton of cocktail flour. This is better. We will tell you how to gather it and how to prepare for it. In hard times, Quinty will now chew and keep you alive. It saves my people from hunger hunger many times during the wars. I'll be right pleased to know all about it, said. And the man at the trading post did say he could sell a man can eat. You ought to make a trade. Heath Tiger motioned toward the sled. Then the woman went to it and removed one of the bundles. She handed it to Tobias. The but- tiger said, take some of the tea with you. We have enough to share. Tell your woman to, to use it, the same as a white man's flower. I really appreciate this, Tobias said, accepting the bundle. I'll have my wife make biscuits as soon as I get back home. And I have something to share too, just in case things go wrong at the training post. You know, two boxes of shells so from his saddlebag and handed on the tiger. I've got more, and I don't need to share as much games as you do need a whole village. The Indian's eyes flashed pleasure and gratitude. This is truly a great gift to my people. We will use them wisely and we do thank you. I'm just glad I had him to share. The tiger then said, I see you have a horse now. I remember you did not have one in the scrub. I took him off a dead soldier during the war. He's fair at pulling the wagon, but he ain't no good at all in the woods and swamps. He's too big and runs in a straight line. Every time I chase a cow with him, I've almost got my neck broke. You remember I told you once before that what you need is a marsh tacky. Marsh tacky can take you through the swamp in the thickest of woods as swiftly as a deer. It is the best cow horse there is. Well, I ain't had no luck with that fellow. So far I've only got one cow. Where do you keep your cow? In a pen close to the house on the hammock? That is not good. You cannot do all of the you could not do all that with the herd, even a small one. In the summer you must let them wander the range freely, grazing whenever they find grass. You must follow the herd and not keep them penned. When my people had cattle, they would let them range as far as hundred miles in more in the summer. In the winter turn them loose in the woods and swamped, they would survive. In the spring, round them up and put your mark on the new ones. You keep the, uh, them pinned up, they will die. The marsh grass in the flood areas along the river has salt. And without this, your cattle would come sick. The best grass, salt grass is along the St. John's. I mean, if I want to own my cattle, I'll have to leave the house and follow them wherever they go. This <laughs> is true. There were times when people had herds fresh as far as you had to see, and we followed them everywhere. Those who wandered with the herds were called Ishma- Ishmaelites by the white soldiers. I do not know what the word means, but I think it is something bad. They did not say this of those who stayed in the village and farm, only those who wandered the land. But if you do not wish to follow the herd, it is best to stay home and grow pumpkins. Ishmaelites, I have said as wedding word, maybe I will do as he said. I wouldn't like to be just a pumpkin grower. If you catch a cow in the swamp, put your mark on it and let it go. Then catch another mucker. You can return to them later. If you keep them all the time, they were By now, the pot in the fire was bubbling, and the mixture had formed a thick wool. Lily removed it from the fire, then said, and then she handed a huge spoon to Keith Tiger. He passed it to Tobias. and said, you must eat first. It is the custom of our people. Tobias dipped the spoon into the pot, put it to his mouth, and shoot it's good. He said, swallowing and then smiling. It's really good. I hope we have corn this fall. I'll tell Emma about this. He passed the spoon. Spoon back to Keith Tiger, and after he dipped it into the pot, he passed it to Bear Jumper. They would all eat from the same spoon and pot. When Bojumper ate, he passed it back to Tobias. Lily would wait until the men finished before he ate. Later that night, after two hours of talking, Tobias yawned and said, I guess I'll go to turn in now. It's been a long day, and I need to hit the trail I sent up tomorrow. Keith Tiger said, You must start early, too. We have been traveling mostly at night. It is best that no one sees us, but I am glad we came to your fire. If we had not recognized you, we would have remained in the darkness. He then handed the saucy spoon to advice. Take this as a gift to your woman. Perhaps she can make use of it. We have many more of them in the village, and if you ever have need for my people, go to far show of the grief, like children. From there, walk south. You will not see us, but we will know where you are there. Tobias took the spoon and put it into a saddle. He said, I thank you for this, and it will make Anna proud. I know she'll have use for it. I'm glad you stopped here for the night, and I wish you much luck with your training. We'll have more food together before we depart at sunup, Tiger like said. Tobias the then climbed into the wagon and lay down on the palm a little bit, thinking for a long time of oh, the strange voice, Ishmael. Alright, guys, that's the end of chapter 8. I hope I did a good job waiting for you, okay? Bye.